Have you gotten a chance to put yourself through watching Morbius? No. I'm really behind on hate watching. On fringe Marvel. Fringe Marvel that I expect to be bad. Or even that, that but like New Mutants. Or did you end up watching New Mutants? No, that's the exact next thing that that's, I was going to yeah, say okay. that I haven't yeah. seen New Mutants. But also like the Venom movies I haven't seen, and those <laughs> are. I think I would actually really enjoy those. I think I think you'll have a lot of fun with the first one. Yeah, second one is kind of meh. Yeah, okay, fair. But um, Morbius, Mor- so Morbin. Yeah, everybody loves everybody loves the Morbin memes. It's right. So when, a it, real when thing. it came out. People yeah. ask me about it. Actually, yeah. it is whatever. <laughs> <laughs> once once it hits streaming, more people have seen it, obviously. Obviously. And like I've come across people that actually liked it. And non-ironically. Me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so in this Discord that I'm a member of, it's sure. not mine, but feel free to join my Discord something, something silver dreamer. Anyway. <laughs> Way to sell it. Do you want me to put a link in the show notes? I'll put a link in the show notes. <laughs> if you want. Okay. My buddy posted a review of Morbius from April 22nd, 2000, of a year of our Lord, 2022. Yes. It, they gave it five out of 10 stars. That, and it is the most accurate review. That's half of, of as many stars that, uh, you know, you earned. <laughs> If there were 10 stars available and, and you started from zero and you earned five of them, I know that's like a failing grade in school, but socially it's pretty good. Yeah, there's some great inflation there, I feel like. You successfully made a movie and put it out in the world that gets this, you this one man, star. It's yeah. posted by Z. Rothkov, and they have put into words my feelings about this movie. So okay. perfectly. It is the most accurate review I've ever read. Okay. All right. So the title of the review is Morbius Truly is a Film. Yeah. It says, Morbius truly has, uh, sorry, <laughs> Morbius truly has to be one of the films released in 2022 so far. <laughs> yes. Jared Leto did a job playing Morbius and the action was in the film. The <laughs> film was storytelling the film has storytelling and the CGI was animated. <laughs> the side characters were along with Morbius and the villain was a bad guy. The <laughs> jokes were sentences. This film really is one of the films of all time, if not the last decade. <laughs> yeah. And that's not even you being spoiler averse because this is how you talk about things when you're like, I don't want to spoil it. But. Right? This, it's also you. You talk that way because you don't want to say too much about it. But it's also <laughs> if you're being in depth, this is all that you can say about it. <laughs> so my reply to it is, "Lol, lol, lol." It certainly is mm-hmm. <laughs> because my God, it is absolutely a film, and it was released in 2022. These, this is the. Yeah, this is the highest uh, compliment you can give. Oh, man. It's funny because I can talk about it here knowing that I'm not going to spoil anything. Yeah. But at the same time, after you see the movie, you will see how accurate this is. (laughs) (laughs) You're saying this as if it is likely to happen. Not that, you know. I love this review so much. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh, dude. Uh, like there's, if there are 10 story beats or like storytelling elements or whatever, 10 sections of Morbius, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are absolutely like four or five that are like noteworthy or like cool. Or even you noticed as they happened. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you know how Fantastic Four Rises Silver Surfer is not an amazing movie. I also, have, I know you I, haven't I seen never it, saw but... any of the Fox fantastic four movies. I never saw either the first two. I never saw the reboot. That's, that's fine. Yeah. Rise of the silver surfer. It's not a great movie, but people really liked the silver surfer. Like okay. the opening scene that introduced silver surfer. Sure. Morbius doesn't have any scenes of that quality. Uh-huh. But there are definitely some pieces where you're like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> you put effort into the it, it's it's the it's the Sean comment. You tried, didn't you? <laughs> it's it's a movie, man. Like <laughs> I don't like it's, it wasn't <laughs> the, the, it was a movie. It was a movie. We can leave it at that. In other news, something that that struck me with a lot more feeling, all of which I can say I regret. <laughs> don't do baseball. Don't. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Specifically, playoff baseball. So here's here's the thing: you have a 162 game season, right? The very best teams of all time win about 65 to 70 percent of their games. Okay. And the very worst teams of all time win about, you know, 30 to 35% of their games. Okay. And, and that's over 162 games, right? Like, you have the best team versus the worst team for a three-game stretch. And, like, yeah, the better team will probably win two out of those three games. But mm-hmm. maybe not, you know? Like, it definitely happens. It happens several times a year that worse teams like significantly worse teams beat better teams just over the course of the season it just happens and then you go to the playoffs and it's like oh but these games actually matter as if there's anything a baseball player can actually do just like i mean yes they like ostensibly they're like throwing the ball and hitting the ball like they're playing baseball but everyone gets worked up about base i'm sorry my Dodgers got eliminated last night. I have feeling of ah, capital, not just capital is. F, capital entire sentence feelings. There it is. Yeah. They won 111 games. They were, you know, they had one of the best regular seasons of any team of all time. <laughs> and then they go up against oh, no. a San Diego's Padres team and they lose three out of four and everyone's shitting their pants being like, Oh my God, they did everything wrong. Why they lost in the playoffs again. This team, you know, like choked, they're bad at things. They, they, they tried too hard in the regular season or they tried that all of the things that they think are good are bad actually. And it's like, no, if if being good in the playoffs was a skill that is repeatable, then we would have 
a team that won back-to-back World Series sometimes in the last 20 years. It's not. It's like rooting for a slot machine. And I am sick and tired of investing personal, like emotion and personal feeling and like getting all worked up about postseason baseball because the universe is cold and empty and God is dead and even baseball won't love you back. Okay. This is this is this is the pod. This is what we're doing today. So you, and, so, and, and and so people will listen to this and be like, oh yeah, you're just another butthurt, you know, Dodgers fan, just like making excuses for your team choking and crapping the bed in the playoffs. And you know what? You're right. These people, these straw people who don't exist of the 12 people who actually listen to our podcast and it, none of them care about baseball probably. So I'm inventing people. You know what? You're absolutely right. This is a total emotional reaction, but prove to me that I'm not correct, that my assessment is wrong and that it is possible to be good at baseball playoffs, that this is a skill that a team can have. It's not true. It's not real. God is dead. Baseball doesn't love you. I mean, so is next year. (laughs) Yes. Next year of more pain. Sure. (laughs) Okay. Like 10, 10, (laughs) 10 teams make the, the playoffs every year and the Dodgers have made it every, every year for the last 10 years. And they've uh-huh. won worlds, one world series. Like, Oh, good for them. Yeah. Done. Yeah. We got there. But everybody's like, reached the peak. They should have won more. They have better teams than everybody else. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Who are you telling this to? Myself. Okay. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry that Mike Piazza and his and the Dodgers didn't make it. <laughs> the Dodgers sold Mike Piazza to to the state of Florida 30 years 25 ago. 25 years ago <laughs> for for a television deal and I will never get over it. <laughs> but that's beside the point. Cool. Yeah. I will say, as far as the listeners that don't know Steve's history, Steve has been a diehard, diehard Dodgers fan since like day one of like our lives. <laughs> I, I was technically, Dodgers. I was technically alive for you know the nineteen eighty eight World Series, and, but I, I don't remember it at all because I was two, turning three, and then yeah. We won in 2020, and that was great. All these shitheads on Twitter want to say that it doesn't count because there was a pandemic going on, as if the Dodgers didn't go through, you know, the exact same conditions to win as every other team. And and it's so not, saying it, <laughs> it's not it just a victory you know with what, an asterisk. You know what? What that's what everybody, even L.A. Times columnists, sports columnists, are saying this had an asterisk. Because they're assholes and they hate us. They hate people who care and they want controversy and outrage. They want to flex their their stupid little finger muscles and watch people get fired. 
and laugh at their feeling of superiority. Bill Plaschke, I'm coming for your fucking head. <laughs> so, so, all right. So you're Dylan Hernandez, die in a still. hole. <laughs> in case anyone wants to know when we recorded this, this is within <laughs> 16 hours of when the Dodgers lost. Yes. <laughs> well, that's I'm I'm sorry for your loss. I hope they no, turn it it's around not a loss. In, in, in eight years, in it's eight n- months. It's not a loss. It's it's a discovery of self. Ah. I I am finally at the point where I can no longer care about postseason baseball, at least until Good next you, year. <laughs> I'm certain I will forget this lesson, <laughs> this grand revelation, this uh, this you know emotional breakthrough, absolutely tarnished and destroyed. Twelve months okay. from now, but for now, let me have my moment of clarity. Take your moment of clarity, man. Whatever you need. <laughs> Should we do a podcast? Yeah, you wanna, you wanna, you wanna yeah, let's intro us, intro yeah. us, yeah. Only comic books, boys and girls. And we've got some comic books, all right. I'm Steve. Joining me is Will. Will, what did you read? Joining you was what? Will. Ah. Hey, what'd you read? (laughs) Okay, so. Hi. Hi. I've got three books today. Yeah. I've got Ben Riley's Spider-Man. Cool. He's no longer beyond anything. He's... Well, He's got it. Okay. You think? Remember how Beyond ended with him turning into Chasm? <sighs> no, I, I have to be honest. Well, it no, happened. I don't remember. It's fine. That. Okay, it was a thing. So the the cover of this book yeah. would imply otherwise, right? Because this is his Spider Man costume from when he was the primary Sp- Spider Man. Yeah, yeah. So they're pulling a symbiote Spider Man and telling a backstory. Oh, sure. From old times. Yeah. Okay. Who wrote it? Is it Peter David uh, again? No, it's the okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, another another nineties writer. Yeah, J.M. DeMatteis. Yeah. DeMatteis. DeMatteis. Anyway. Uh, but then I've got two good books. <laughs> <laughs> Moon Knight, volume two. This is uh Jed McKay's Moon Knight. Yes. Which I am becoming a fanboy of Jed McKay. Excellent. Moreover, I am a fanboy of Alessandro Capuccio's art. Oh, really? Cool. Oh my god, dude. His art is so good. It's so good. Awesome. He would have he I I don't want him to leave, but he would have he would do such a good Batman. Oh. Because the way he does Moon Knight in shadow mm-hmm. and like just his eyes show up, or like any of the 85 other things he did in this book, where like he just plays. With Shad- so okay, <laughs> Mike Diodato yeah. is one of my favorite artists, and he uses shadow to accentuate texture and muscle and mm-hmm. like size. Yeah, yeah. Where Capuccio uses shadow to just like obfuscate 
extra unnecessary detail that just like adds this like imposing intensity that loves to have and the tone that Mark Spector likes to inflict <laughs> on Interesting. his targets. It's so cool. It's so cool. I cool. love his art so much. And <laughs> okay, I guess I lied. I have I've I've good moon night and then I have just the thought essay that is <laughs> Jason Aaron's Avengers. Oh boy. This is volume 10 and it's a little odd because you know the last volume was World War She-Hulk. Right. Which was a nothing, but he's been seeding these whole like Deathlocks and this like multiversal Avengers and then the prehistoric Ooh, Avengers. Right. And then he has the multiversal Masters of Evil. And there, remember, oh, uh, uh, there is Avengers Forever, which is where he's really diving into all that. When right. Robbie Reyes became the all writer instead of just a ghost writer. And then um, you have the Doom of Dooms, <laughs> where <laughs> there's like the Doom that is going around recruiting all the other Dooms, and their base is on Doom the Living Planet. Oh my God. Is- is Jason Aaron just completely checked out? Oh my god! Well, is, so does he care? Is, is he just like? LOL? And so I was going to dive into this. Yeah, when we talk okay, about we'll, the we'll, book, we'll dive into it when we talk about the book. Let's let's okay, yeah. okay. But yeah, Jason Aaron, I don't think he should have Avengers books, like <sighs> team books. I should say, I don't think he should have a team book. Okay, but we'll go into that later. Yeah, but yeah. So those are the three that I read. Um, it was honestly overall, it was a good time. I had a great time reading them. With the exception Good. of Ben Riley's Spider-Man, but it's okay. neither here nor there. Sure. But yeah, that's where I'm at. What about you? Cool. I had uh, short arcs on Uncanny X-Men and X-Men, continuing the shattering okay. when, the, when the team done shat itself. Should we, should, we, should we hop into it? Yeah, yeah. Tell me, which, which one are you starting with? Ben Riley's Spider-Man. Okay. So I Let's think... Unless I get lost in the weeds, it's only going to take a couple minutes. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Okay. Well, okay. okay. I'm going to spend as much time on the background as I am on this book. But okay. do you know who Ben Riley is? Let's start there. <laughs> clone of Spider-Man. Something, something, something. Clones, clones, clones. Something, yeah. something. He wears a jean jacket because it's the 90s something something gets rather confused about his identity has villain turns for mostly no good reason, but is usually a hero, but is kind of confused beyond corporation. Okay, beyond day. is, is 2022. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So big picture, real world when Gwen Stacy died. Yeah the entire Marvel team was getting death threats and like <laughs> people were pissed yeah. back when Stacey died to the point yeah. where Marvel was like, I don't know how, I don't care how, find a way to bring her back. <laughs> so that always do- works. <laughs> right. Like let's, and so- let's, you know, <laughs> let's go back on an unpopular decision. Yeah. It, no matter how bad the story is. It worked for Sonic the movie. <laughs> Well, that was not, it wasn't a bad story decision. It was a bad animation decision. (laughs) But yeah, so uh, it is what it is. However, 
introduces. So then we go into the clone saga where Gwen gets brought back, but she's a clone, blah, blah, blah. Right. Traditionally, the clone saga has been looked at as the muddiest, messiest, drawn out storyline of Spider-Man. The worst thing that's Maybe ever happened. Maybe even in comics. In yeah. <laughs> in Spider-Man <laughs> comics. And I will say that these days it's much more, I feel like it's much more accepted, at least within the universe, because they keep on pulling aspects from it. They've also retconned it about 40 times. They have, yes. Uh, I, I think the main problem is that it went on too long mm. because they were still figuring it out as they're writing it. <laughs> yeah. And that's and the like, main problem. Bro, no, this time, this time it's going to be fine. Bro, please, just one more, just yeah. one more retcon. I swear it'll be good. However, comma, comma, it did introduce, it did give us Punisher. So, sure. You know, without, without the mess that is a clone saga, we would not have John Berenthal in. MCU making angry grunts. Yeah. Punisher. Yeah. So it's fine. <laughs> anyway, yeah. point is Miles Warren, who is the jackal, was a teacher at ESU, completely stalker obsessed with Gwen Stacy, creates clones from her, ends up making clones of Peter Parker because that's who she's dating at the time. And there were a series of successful and not so successful clones. One of the 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 most successful is Ben Riley. The yeah. the less successful was Kane. Right, and he had a, he had like a genetic degeneration thing going on for a while. It messed with his mind, so he was mad. He was mad, but it's been figured out. He's been reborn a couple of times. Now he has a <laughs> now, now he is like a cosmic totem thing sure why not like he has a place in the world now and right this is what it is he's cool another one was also this one called spider side which doesn't make any sense at all but he's hulk size and he's got us he his skin is like the spider-man suit because he's he's basically just giant amorphous goo that took the form of a big Hulk. Like if you look up spider side, you're going to be like, first of all, (laughs) nineties, second of all, why did this happen? Yeah. (laughs) And he has a mouth, like it's a spider suit, but he has a mouth. Okay. And and like sharp teeth. Okay. So you're, you're, you're trying to do venom and also Spider-Man and also. And also, yeah, it's like a repaint of venom, but and less tongue. (laughs) So those are kind of and uh, were there others? Yeah, the, those are the main three clones that came out of the clone saga. Spider side, no one cares about. Sure, I I don't think he survived the storyline he was uh, introduced in. Okay, Ben Riley, after realizing that he's not Peter Parker, takes on Uncle Ben's name and Aunt May's maiden name of Riley. Right. So that's how he became Ben Riley, and then Kane goes by Kane Parker. This book takes place during the time period where it is officially declared that Ben is the original and Peter Parker is the clone. Right. And that was a thing that needed to, to happen. Yeah. He and Mary Jane are currently married. She's pregnant and they went, they moved to Portland to get a fresh start. 
Okay. I think it's Portland. doesn't really matter. Of about two comic book years, maybe a, maybe a year after this is when Straczynski takes over. Sure. And brings him back because he needs to. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> ben, Riley, ben Riley is the original. And that's right. what we all assume and agree within this time period. And he is going around as Spider-Man. Right. Okay. So enter these five issues. It doesn't have a number. So hopefully it's a one shot. However, (laughs) Symbiote Spider-Man did this to me four times. (laughs) (laughs) So see what happens. But anyway, uh, we've got, so, oh, Ben Riley is also a blonde as opposed to Peter Parker's brunette. Right. And we have Ben being set up to meet with Dr. Kafka at the Ravencroft Institute Mm -hmm. uh, when she was alive and not a revived clone. (laughs) My God. And Ben is trying to find his place, yada, yada. It's honestly nothing really to write home about, especially because it happened in the past and there's nothing here that is like, oh my gosh, let's look out for that. He's... Ben's having a problem with like whose memories are these. And it's always that we came across this in Spider-Man beyond, but at least that was current. So like, why are we doing that again here? Uh, Anyway, he gets attacked by Scorpion in his house. And then, so he deals with that. Sorry, his apartment because of that, he goes back to Ravencroft and confronts Dr. Kafka. Is like, why did you let Scorpion down? And she's like, Scorpion's been here this entire time. What are you talking about? He's like, what's happening? And then, the guy who turned into vermin, his name is called is uh, Edward Whelan. Okay, he was a major player in Craven's Last Hunt, uh, which is a legendary Spider-Man story. But Vermin beat Peter Parker. Okay, like Pete lost, and then yeah. that's when Craven was like, "I'll be a better Spider-Man," and so he a superior one, you might say. <laughs> so he tranquilizes Pete and buries him in a shallow grave, dons the Spider-Man suit and goes and hunts down vermin and beats him into a pulp. And he's like, well, I won. That, that's <laughs> great. It ends with Craven's uh, self unaliving, but <laughs> vermin ends up turning back into Edward Whelan. And then he gets hired by Dr. Kafka as a second chance. And he's working at Ravencroft. Okay. Uh, so Pete is like, or Ben is like, you know, like, let me try this whole like socializing thing. I don't have any friends because I'm <laughs> actually not real. <laughs> so, so but he goes we still are to- somehow convinced that I'm not the clone. <laughs> right. So he gets a, he goes, he goes and gets a bite with Edward and this other guy. Their meal gets stopped by Lady Octopus. Uh, which I didn't realize Lady Octopus has been around for that long, mm. but doesn't matter. They fight, and this whole time Ben is really confused because his spider sense is never never goes off for these attacks. Hmm. The, and then the next issue ends with being confronted by an undead Craven. Okay, and he's like, "What is happening here?" And then the undead Craven turns into a swarm of spiders. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then so, you know, questions upon questions of what's going on, yada, yada, yada. And then 
Ben gets confronted at his job, which is a diner. He's like, he's the dishwasher. Okay. Uh, the owner of the diner hits him with a frying pan. And he's like, why did my spices go off? And he's like, oh, you're not the owner. And she's like, yeah. And then she morphs into Craven and he's like, oh, okay. And then he, and then he morphs into uncle Ben, into aunt May, into mm-hmm. Gwen Stacy, into captain Stacy. And it's like, what the hell is happening here? Sure. He calls him out and is like, I know all about you, Benjamin, you and Peter, even that defective Kane. And he's like, how do you know about Kane? And then turns out that this amorphous goo is spider side. Okay. For no actual good <laughs> reason. This is the first comic I've ever had <laughs> that has spider side. Sure. In it. You just knew about it uh, from trivia and, and yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, like trading card level trivia of yeah, like, yeah. hey, this is a character that existed at one point. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thanks for telling me. Bye. Yeah. I didn't think I'd ever have to care. And now here <laughs> he is being Ben Riley's antagonist. Sure. And Fighter Side blames Ben for all of his confusion and pain, I guess. It doesn't make too much sense. It ends, oh, Spider-Side can clone himself. He's basically (laughs) Liquid Sandman. Okay. And uh, Spider-Side lets out everyone at the Ravencroft Institute. And so there's a riot. It's a classic Ravencroft thing. So like Swarm is there, uh, Shriek, Scorpion, Mysterio. Sure. All the classics. And then Spider-Side chooses a new look, uh, which is white and red um, is very reminiscent of from Spider-Man Renew Your Vows um, Mm. in that alternate universe. Pete and MJ have a daughter, uh, Mayday, or she Mm -hmm. names May, um, and all three of them have powers. Well, Mary Jane's suit mimics the Spider-Man powers. powers. So the three of them go and like fight crime. Anyway, Mary Jane's suit is that same color scheme. Okay. Where it's a light gray instead of blue, and mm-hmm. then red and white webs. Okay. Anyway, fights ensue, skirmishes that last anywhere between one and three pages. <laughs> and then all the inmates start to swarm on Ben. Spider-Side has a change of heart. He's like, no, damn it. Damn you, Kafka. You were right. Like it or not, Riley is a part of me. The only spark of decency, of humanity in my warped, <laughs> corrupted heart. He's saying this yeah. out loud yeah, as he's attacking. <laughs> cool. And I can't let him die. <laughs> and so. Really piling on the melodrama there. Yeah. Yeah. And then he saves saves Ben by like turning. He, I don't know. I don't know. He's. He, <laughs> It really it does say make, something when you when you read the comic and you still can't really parse it. Yeah, because like, yeah, he saves Ben and then he shapeshifts to look like Ben. And then Ben is like, oh, my gosh, you saved me. Inspire sides like maybe maybe I'm not such a monster after all, huh? And then Ben's like, you're as human as I am, brother. And then <laughs> and then Spire sides like <gasps> and then he dies but then the next (laughs) (laughs) he dies in Ben's arms of course you know just like yeah because again just maximum melodrama 
yeah, just which is um, okay. So then you get this inner monologue from Ben. It's like he's gone, but can someone who's never been born truly die? Oh, Ashley Kafka doesn't think so. She's working selflessly, tirelessly to reach into the dark silence of his mind and bring my brother back. There's so there's so much he has to answer for the the blood, the grief, and yet I want her to succeed. I want Spider-Side to live as I've lived. Find friendship, purpose, hope. Okay. And the possibility, no, the certainty that tomorrow will be better than today. And it ends with Spider-Side on passed out on a lab table and then Kafka puts her hand on the window and then another hand goes up on the other side of the window and that's so spider side now i guess is alive so maybe he'll show up (laughs) okay i made the mistake of making these mental notes (laughs) for symbiote spider-man right and they none of them came to fruition even (laughs) like the venom symbiote learning some basic defense magic never been happened never been like brought pursued back. yeah so i'm not going to spend my time being like hey at the ravencroft institute spider side is just hanging out <laughs> good good for you for not having expectations is i, I this is what i ought back. to have learned about baseball <laughs> <laughs> maybe perhaps mm-hmm. so yeah that's um it's been riley spider-man Okay. Spider side lives. That's the takeaway. Okay. From a storyline that didn't need to happen that is set 20 plus years ago in our Mm -hmm. time. And we all just love Spider side. So we're overjoyed by this news. So much. Also, the timing for this is weird. Like, how much do you want to bet that JM dematteis or dematteis or however you pronounce it how much do you want to bet that he created spider side in the first place i'm willing to bet i wouldn't be surprised at all money (laughs) yep there we go (laughs) jm dematteis and mark bagley and amazing spider-man 399 january 1995 there you go there we go it's a shame (laughs) so the timing for this is what really throws me off, especially because it's there's never a good time for a symbiote Spider-Man. So <laughs> with Ben Riley Spider-Man, we just were just off the heels of doing Amazing Spider-Man focusing on Ben Riley. Right. For four volumes. Maybe this was like this this was like, hey, we found these, you know, old Ben Riley Clone Saga scripts by J.M. DeMatteis in a cupboard somewhere. And we didn't have any good place to publish them. But then, right. oh, we just we just did, you know, this arc starring Ben Riley. I guess, uh, you know, this will be the best time that we could possibly do it. It's May just well weird to me there. because at the end of the Beyond run, he fully goes into this whole, like, memory loss thing, becomes something brand new that is like shadows and mm-hmm. seems like a, a mindless monster thing that is chasm. Right. And I've only ever seen that page. Like, I don't know where we're going to see him next. Right. But like you just did this whole arc of 
redefining and making a brand new Ben Riley. And then you're like, Hey, remember old Ben Riley? <laughs> like it's, it's, it's strange. Yeah. To me. Yeah. Yeah. But whatever it's, I mean, I'm going to read it. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm not, I don't really have a whole lot of room to critique the release of a comic. I mean, you do, you can still share your reaction to it. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're, you're not doing anything to make it better. Right. <laughs> but at least you're, you know, you can at least talk about it. Yeah. So, you know, it is what it is. Moon Knight was better. Yeah. Tell me about Moon Knight. So this is seven issues, one of which is Devil's Reign, Moon Knight. So I don't have to cover that, obviously. <laughs> yeah. All right. So McKay in the first volume introduced this character, Hunter's Moon. Okay. who introduces himself as the other fist of Khonshu. Sure. Two hands, two fists, easy peasy. Right. And so where Moon Knight is a crescent moon, Hunter's Moon is a full moon. Okay. And if I were more prepared or better at this, I would give you his real name, but yeah. it's this black doctor guy that uh, got introduced. Sure. <sighs> My take, my takeaway after reading this is Hunter's Moon is the master hand to to Moon Knight's crazy hand from Smash Brothers. Okay, so and it's in wild. control and yeah, okay, and cool. and like by the book, he is yeah. he is the straight laced, only operate within the rules of Khonshu fist that like Khonshu would want. That's uh, that's a really good foil for Moon Knight. Right? Yeah. And like, it blows my mind that we've been introduced to Moon Knight this entire time. Like, we've been following Crazy Hand this right. entire time. I love it. And then, and then fucking a 20 years. A challenger years, approaches. Right? And then like we're, 20 we're, something we're, years. We're, 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 we're. 25, 30, even. I don't know how long we got. I mean, yeah. Whatever. Decades after we get introduced to Moon Knight, we get introduced to this like classic. This is I am the perfect form <laughs> of the Fist of Khonshu master hand. Right. It's so fun. It's so cool. But so like what I mean by straight lacing by the by the book, he is. And I get that it's for the story and for the conditions, sure. but like Hunter's Moon is in tune with like the like afterlife of the Moon Knights. He's 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 the closest to like what you would think of like the Avatar. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like uh, Avatar Last Airbender Avatar. Okay. Where like he he meditates and communes with like moon nights of the past and kind of thing and like this is where he will go when he dies kind of a thing sure and that was really cool and then on top of that <laughs> we <laughs> so we have the midnight mission which i've referred to here and there but it's like his hero for hire for the walkers of the night yeah little thing that he's doing which is super cool and super interesting at the end of the last volume so so our primary antagonist is zodiac okay a new zodiac because there have been many (laughs) sure but uh he blew up the midnight mission last time 
because he wants to kill all of the vampires. And there's this girl who is a vampire who is working at the midnight mission for Mark. Okay. And we also got the sidekick, romantic interest friend of Tigra. <laughs> they have a lot of history together. Again, the horniest superhero Marvel has access to. That Marvel has drawn. Yeah. Because we have very different frames of references <laughs> for what we've read of Tiger. <laughs> Ad- admittedly a lot of mine is probably just projection but sure but yeah like i honestly i kind of want i want a tigra title interesting because like people so she has been a character or like a plus one character in enough titles that they've decided to like expand on her like personality and sure she's been like, an avenger what she can bring she's, to the table yeah <laughs> like she she was dating hank pym right back during like the secret invasion days and then we found out that hank pym was a skull scroll and she got pregnant with his kid and so scroll baby she yeah. had this whole yeah this whole like fear of like is this gonna be a scroll baby like yeah. it was interesting and she's a, like she's a veteran you know, she's, yeah. she's yeah, been yeah. around for decades yep. to your point. Yep. And like, she's seen some shit, but so she <laughs> was on West coast Avengers, which is right. what was my introduction to her at the same yeah. time as moon Knight, Right. But also at the same time as Dr. Pym, mm-hmm. which was when Hank didn't do the Pym particles on himself. He just had pockets full of gadgets that he would Pim particle back up to regular size to use. It's such a cool application of, of right? power. Yeah. <laughs> and he just he was like on the battlefield in a lab coat yeah. with a bunch of cargo pockets. It was so cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you knew it was truly the 90s when his his superpower was having pockets. Was cargo pockets. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, right? Anyway, so that's kind of background setup, yada yada yada. So Moon Knight and his little cadre, he's got Tigra. He's got this guy named Soldier, who's a new guy that just has like enhanced strength, um, I believe is his only thing. And then we got introduced to Hunter's Moon. He's got the vampire. So like he's got a pretty cool squad around him. Mm -hmm. And then they all support this whole midnight mission thing. And so now Moon Knight, because it got exploded, he has to take his revenge basically on Zodiac. And in one issue, so he takes on this mission where people are disappearing in this um, apartment building. Okay. And he does his research, blah, blah, blah. It's the sixth floor of this apartment building that people just seem to be disappearing at. Okay. So he goes and he goes and like deals with this. And on top of that, he finds, well, he says that, you know, one of the things that's wrong with this place is that this is this apartment building is supposed to be five stories. Oh. So what's going on with that? And turns out that it's like this thing. I think it actually has a name, but it's basically this like ghost mansion thing. So like it's like this sentient ghost building that 
every once in a while shows up in the Marvel universe and likes to feed on people. And what so, a like, cool doc- concept. <laughs> right? And so, like, Doctor Strange has a history with it. And, okay. like, it's just appeared in titles here and there. So, when Moon Knight figures that out and the thing... <laughs> Realize it tries to invade it like invades your mind. And so when it invaded Mark Spector's mind, it got lost and scared <laughs> and it kicked him out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, Oh, I'll be back. So <laughs> he goes to Doctor Strange and Wong opens the door and he's like, Hey Wong, you remember how you remember that whole thing in Vegas when you like recruited me to like go and fight Mephisto? He's like, The Midnight Suns, yeah. What about it? Uh, so you owe me one. And Wong was like, hey, remember how you stole my master's powers and uh, used it to take over the world to do the Age of Khonshu? <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and Moon Knight's like, ah, right. So I don't owe you one. I'll owe you another one. <laughs> so he, he equips him with like some magical doodads to help him deal with this it's called the house of shadows sorry okay to help to help him deal with this and so he equips himself up he gets all fucking scary and cool looking mm-hmm. and goes and addresses the damn thing again and he's like hey remember i told you i'd be back i'm back let's do this and so he says hey so i know your song and dance i know you've been here before i know you're gonna get removed and eventually you're gonna get brought back you're going to come back somehow you're going to try to eat more people like sure. let's let's end this cycle yeah so he offers it a job <laughs> okay and you know that's the end of that scene you come back later and then all of a sudden the midnight mission is rebuilt okay <laughs> and so now the house of shadows is the new midnight mission and his new base of operations interesting Okay, there's no way this could go wrong. Well, uh, probably. And so <laughs> I assume he's like, he's going to feed it like bad yeah. guy yeah, yeah. lawbreakers here and there right. to make it happy. But like, I did not see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So that was really cool. And then they have an issue during Devil's Reign. So there's the tie-in issue of Moon Knight being locked up and dealing with the Marco guy, which prompted <laughs> us to come up with the theory about <laughs> about <laughs> San Lee having a, a Marco bully in his life. Yeah, yeah. But there is a Moon Knight issue, a regular issue of Hunter's Moon filling in for Moon Knight and him going on a mission. Okay. And he gets hired to go and deal with basically a ghost demon that got created. Her name is Stained Glass Scarlet. And she got created out of the like negative emotions of everyone that came to this church for sanctuary. Okay. And like it like took their negativity and yeah, that's just kind of a less psychic onslaught basically (laughs) (laughs) sure sure. (laughs) basically it goes around killing people um whoever is considered a bad guy or a crook yada 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 but it's it's a very bad 
spirit. And so Hunter's Moon, the Fist of Conchu, goes and goes to this church and deals with uh, Stained Glass Scarlet. And her design is super cool. So she's just like all stained glass pieces wrapped up in a crimson like towel thing. Cool. Yeah. No face, just all glass. That is that that's I've never seen a character like that. That it's yeah. after, you know, however many decades of, of uh superhero comics. That's a new one. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. And so Hunter's Moon is like, we'll I have to kill you. Also, for scale, Hunter's Moon is down there oh, at the bottom. Oh, jeez. Okay. She's like, I'm a story. You can't fucking kill me. Mm-hmm. You can't kill a story with fists or blades. And Hunter's Moon says, no, you are given life by faith. And in my life and death, I have learned the power of faith. But your story is young still. While I serve one that man has told since the beginning. She's like, I don't understand. He's like, oh, you will. (laughs) And you were right. Stories are the most powerful thing in the world. For what is a God, if not a story? Mm -hmm. And so he summons Khonshu Mm -hmm. to fight Stained Glass Scarlet. Nice. And Khonshu is more than happy to, to help out Hunter's Moon because he's a good boy. Right. And it's just, he's just like, Conchu, hello, father. He's just my <laughs> son, and 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 so, just within the uh, conversations, we get introduced to this concept of Conchu's daddy and <laughs> Moon Knight and Hunter's Moon are his his children. Yeah. Like it, it. Uh, Conchu has said, "My son." before this but right. it's never been like reciprocated <laughs> uh and so hunter's moon is the first to do that He's anyway into it. so yeah. yeah so they they have their fight and Conchu is currently in imprisoned on asgard for the whole age of Conchu thing okay. uh, so this is just an aspect of him as as a god when someone prays to you you can visit them it's kind of like the idea there that idea got introduced in like jason aaron's thor run okay way back in the day but anyway so this is an aspect of conchu and scar and stained glass scarlet they fight conchu kicks her ass they also know that it's not permanent because stories don't die that easily so she'll probably come back at some point right of course the last main story arc is well, okay, this guy, Rutherford Winner, super old antagonist for Moon Knight, got uh, escapes Ravencroft because everyone's going to escape Ravencroft at some point. Yeah. He and Moon Knight have their battle. And while that's happening, it turns out Zodiac orchestrated his getting out. And so while, sure. while he's doing that, oh, God, that's right. There's also Waxman, who is... This is super side story, but it's another <laughs> another baddie that got coordinated for by Zodiac to ambush Moon Knight. But okay. if ever there was a question about Moon Knight and Batman having parallels, mm-hmm. Waxman is basically Clayface. Sure. But with wax instead of clay. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and he takes him out in basically the same way. He froze him. So he's got like little <laughs> crazy grenades. 
and he froze them. Oh, 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 mm. but this is the difference between Moon Knight and Waxman. I totally forgot about this, okay. and I was so stoked when I read it, and then I've turned the page, and I just remembered, oh, okay. So <laughs> Moon Knight wants to know who hired Waxman, because he doesn't know it's Zodiac. Okay. And so he flash froze him, and then he locked him up in a steel sphere, and he says, and, and Waxman comes comes to, and there's a little like green light from a radio. And that's how he's talking to him. Okay. And he's like, you should be thought out by now. Answer me. It's like, what, what the hell is this, Moon Knight? He says, you're in a steel sphere, Waxman. Airtight, seems welded. You're not getting out <laughs> of there unless I let you out. Is that it? You're going to keep me here forever? Ha, I'll wait you out. You're going to slip up sooner or later. I don't eat. I don't breathe. I got all the time in the world. And he's like, and you're going to need it. Because if you don't tell me uh, what I want to know, I start pouring concrete and you become part of the foundation of this overpriced condo building. Execution <laughs> by gentrification, Waxman. So <laughs> he says, alone, forever, in the dark. How long before the screaming madness sets in, I wonder? <laughs> the screaming that never stops days years but hey you've got all the time in the world to find out right <laughs> and so waxman breaks tells him everything yeah. and the night is like cool and then he walks over to a cement mixer and tiger's <laughs> like what are you doing and, he, and he's like something terrible tiger something terrible <laughs> <laughs> and waxman's like wait what's that sound what are you doing what are you doing <laughs> Mark, what's happening? I, I cooperated. He's like, yeah, you did. Hurts being lied to, doesn't it? See you in hell, Waxman. And then pours concrete wow. over on, on the foundation. <laughs> Brutal. Execution by gentrification. That is, that's a <laughs> phrase right there. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, so, so that was a thing. And then enter the final confrontation with Zodiac and his 12 hired goons because of course, because he's Zodiac. Of course. Uh, Hunter's moon was supposed to have a, get the jump on him, but they got the jump on him, even though he took out three of them. There's still nine more. Right. And they have him tied up. They're going to kill uh, Reese, the vampire. And, but he's on the other side of town and this is all going according to uh, Zodiac's plan. And he's like, oh, damn it. There is a way. I just didn't want to do this. So this entire time has been rejecting Khonshu. And so okay. he finally actually prays to Khonshu. And he's like, hello, father. And he's like, my son. And just the... Why so, was he? Why was he rejecting Kanchu? Because he was the good guy or the the, well, the the good soldier. Well, the whole because no 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 Moon Knight. Oh Moon Knight does. Oh okay. Yeah, Moon Knight is like I'm on the other side of town. How am oh, I going to get over there right, to right, stop okay. all this? Man? My bad. Yeah, yeah. You're good. You're good. I I didn't say it clearly enough. So this is just more of Alessandro Capuccio's art yeah. of him just like figuring out shit i need to i need to like i need to pray to Konshu, and then just like the appearance of Konshu, and mm-hmm. just like how amazing he looks <laughs> and so anyway so and there's like little mark down at the bottom there it's just it's so yeah. good the way he uses light and shadow is so amazing that is awesome and he says well i need your help and he was like what like you you got me in prison in asgard what the hell do i want to help you and it's like mm-hmm. well you know he's like listen i know you helped hunter's moon like help me <laughs> and he's like 
why? <laughs> He's like, listen, your loyal fist, Hunter's Moon, is in peril. Khonshu, who is the defender, the embracer, the traveler, the pathfinder, find me a path to my temple, father. And he says, there will be a price. And saying, there always is. Just whatever it is, just let me know. <laughs> so Khonshu is like, all right. And so he opens up a path for him. And it's a path through, like, Khonshu's, like, underworld. Okay. Which looks amazing, thanks to Alessandro. Cool. And then... There's all these aspects of the past Moon Knights that are hunting him down. And so it's kind of a race through time now to run from one entrance to the exit and while being chased by these past conchus. And then, oh man, so he gets there, he gets out and he he's, you know, gets there in the nick of time to save the day. And Zodiac's like, please, it's only you. What, what do you... What do you expect to get out of this? He's like, oh, it's not only me. And all of the other Moon Knights follow him out. Okay. <laughs> and so the other Moon Knights each pair off with another uh, surviving member of the Zodiac crew. And then Mark kills one of one of the Zodiacs. This dude, this Mark is such, such a killer. Anyway, I, I, okay. First of all, I will highly recommend people read this. But it ends with Zodiac with his... Oh, Zodiac can't feel pain, by the way. Okay. Moon it ends with Moon Knight with his hands wrapped around Zodiac's neck. And he's like, I know you can't feel this, but you are going to pass out and I will kill you because you still need air to breathe. So, okay. <laughs> so as he's squeezing the life out of Zodiac's neck, he gets stopped somehow right before the end. And that, and Mark is like, no, 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 this can't, you can't do this, can't do this. And it ends with him removing his mask and turning to Tiger. And he's like, hi, my name is Stephen Grant. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot to talk about. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit. I can't, but like, one of my favorite things about Moon Knight is the, is, is, how he like works with his DID. Yes. The interplay between and the Jake Lockley and Mark Spector. And I have completely forgot about Jake and Steven throughout this entire run. Uh-huh. And I feel so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but then it just ends with Steven taking over. And like, I feel like the way that this was represented is much more like the Steven and Mark relationship in the MCU okay. where Steven doesn't want to kill. And Mark is the cold blooded killer. I guess Jake is really the cold blooded killer for sure. MCU. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's this, this Mark is so dark, <laughs> but it was, it was, it, what a cliffhanger. Cause I, <laughs> I really want to know what the fuck happens next. Yeah. But McKay got me, man. The first volume was, I guess just interesting because it really threw me off with the whole Hunter's Moon thing. But now that, so that was, you know, six issues of introducing the antagonist of Zodiac, but also at the same time introducing Hunter's Moon, who is the master hand and like the good boy of Khonshu. And like, it was a lot, I guess, for me. And then now that, now that everything has been introduced, the second volume is where it really just, gels and takes off and it was so much fun and cool. and i do not regret wanting to make mckay one of my favorite <laughs> authors for marvel it's so much fun awesome. oh man oh it was great yeah moon knight Whew. 
Jason Aaron's Avengers. Yeah. 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 Okay, I will... Okay, so there's two kind of storylines going on here. Because there is Avengers 51 through 56, and then there's Avengers 1 million BC, which is an important plot line that... It's what dives in... They dove into the story of Phoenix being Thor's mother. Right. So... I want to say like 12 issues ago, it gets, we get the whole story flip of Thor is not Gaia's son. Right. It's Phoenix's son. And so we in the real world have sat on this for a year reacting to this revelation. And then we get this issue that details how that went about. Sure. I'm going to go over that real quick because okay. I feel like that's the, more important. <laughs> yeah, piece. yeah, yeah. Black and white, he is... So, Phoenix is Thor's mother as much as Doctor Doom is Valeria's father. Well, well, yeah. okay, sure. Right, so... what ha- it doesn't happened mean anything. Was, what ha- no, it doesn't. Yeah. So, Gaia... Oh, dude, this sent me down a whole rabbit hole. But Gaia, who is Mother Earth, she, throughout the eons, has had has bore children to many different gods from different pantheons. (laughs) Yeah. For the good of the protection of Earth, yada, yada, yada. She has always refused Odin because he was the most arrogant of the gods and bullheaded, hence the horns, huh? But like, just, she always refused him. And then Phoenix... She's getting this pull to go back to the cosmos, and she, but she doesn't want to leave Earth undefended. And so she would feel better if Gaia, who is like her sister friend, not like actual sister, but like yeah. two cosmic women, sure. <laughs> women gods. She's like, hey, you know, I've got this thing about, I've got this thing with Odin. I would love for when I leave, that I would feel like this, that you and the earth are still protected. How do you feel about having a child with Odin? And that conversation made Gaia reconsider, I guess. And so years later, Gaia and Odin have a child. She goes through childbirth. And as the child is being born, who attacks? <laughs> the, uh, oh, the, uh, oh, no, the child. Oh, so I guess I guess a frost giant is there and attacking. Yeah, whatever his name, Laufey, Laufey, is, yeah, is attacking Earth and Gaia, and so they scramble to save her and protect her, and then the child goes ice cold, and Phoenix is like no, and so she takes him, goes up into the sky, and goes <laughs> super fiery like. It, it's, sure. she, you know she grabs the child goes into the air goes phoenix and then yeah. the child breathes life and summons lightning and so the child is born of fire and lightning sure. and so thor would not have survived childbirth if not for phoenix saving him or resuscitating him as soon as he was born okay so biologically yeah. gaia is his mother and phoenix just made sure he lived again, very much similar to 
Dr. Doom and Valeria. Can I ask you something? Uh, other than that? Yeah. <laughs> why are they trying to make the Phoenix into an Avengers thing? That's a great question. I don't know. Okay. Well, actually, okay. This could potentially tie into AXE. <sighs> oh, well, I actually it might. But this conceptually, I think, ties into where I'm going with my Jason Aaron theory. Yeah, okay. So, and let's talk about that because honestly, yeah. his the run isn't that big of a deal. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the six issues, it's 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 the joining. It's getting it's getting like Namor and um, Valkyrie to join the Avengers. Okay. And the multiversal Avengers starting to get their wheels in motion. Great, fine, whatever, sure. No, what, sorry, the brother, the the Eve, the Legion of, not Legion of Doom, the um, <laughs> the 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 multiversal bad guy is starting to make sure. their attack. Sure, again, not a big deal. But anyway, so Jason Aaron, what? I feel like does his he approach, just want to staple every single character concept together until everything is one character? So that takeaway is the problem with giving Aaron a team title. (laughs) So what I think he does is, and usually it works. What I think he does is he looks at the character he's given and he says, what is the biggest antagonist that I can throw at him? What, like, Mm. not just what would the character as a person or or like a being have to fight, but what is the concept of this character yeah. and what can take that apart? So like right. Jason Aaron's run on Doctor Strange is when you had the empirical right. destroying all of magic in this reality. And then run on Thor, have, the God Butcher. You have Gore, the God Butcher, taking yeah. out all the gods because he had a tragic interaction sure. with his God. Yeah. And then so you throw him on Avengers. And so now you have to, instead of looking at a single character, you're looking at the idea of the Avengers. Right. What can you introduce to tear apart or challenge Mm. the core concept of the Avengers? Interesting. And that, I think, is where he's trying and sort of failing to really address. That's a really interesting analysis. Because I feel like this is bigger than like you look at Avengers villains and they've all been big deals. Cause again, the whole point of Avengers (laughs) is they come together to fight, fight the fights that they cannot fight alone. Right. That no one hero can do on their own or whatever the catchphrase (laughs) is. So you have like Kang, you have your Thanos, you have, you know, your big fucking deals. And so when that's already happened and you then you come to Jason Aaron now he has to think bigger than that because that's his MO. Right. That's what he does. It's not that he has to, but that's his approach. <laughs> right. So that's when, so then you go to the the same way that Hickman did the Brotherhood of the Shield and introduced the history of the Shield. Now right. you go to the legacy powers and Avengers 1 million BC and, and yeah. do that. But then, so if you're going to have the concept of Avengers be attacked, then you need to have every single big name on a multiversal team to challenge that. 
Right. Like how, how no right. one person can challenge the idea of the Avengers. Right. Effectively. Be, right. <laughs> and so it just, everything has to be the biggest thing possible. So you introduce the government's Avengers with, right. with uh, uh, the Squadron Supreme. You introduce the uh, Defenders of the Deep with Namor. You introduce, uh, you make the Winter Guard a bigger deal because Russia versus America is always going to be a thing. Right. And then if you're going to do these legacy powers, how do you address challenging the legacy powers even though you introduced it, so you have to challenge it. Fine. <laughs> and so <laughs> you just have all this ridiculousness that the scale is so big, but not on a cosmic scale because that's Hickman. Right. <laughs> like Hickman did the cosmic thing, so you can't do that. Right. So what do you do? How do you challenge this idea? And I, I don't think Jason Aaron should be on a team book you know, for that reason. It's too bad because he he has done I mean he did Wolverine the X-Men for God's sakes. Like <laughs> yeah, he, he has done small stakes team books before. Mm-hmm. And and but like Wolverine the X-Men was more about the school. Right, exactly. It, and and, it, and that's char- that's Jason Aaron. Right. Yeah, I guess the concept, so. you know, tearing like, tearing apart. We got the introduced of the to the X-Men as the school, the Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters and this paramilitary group right. <laughs> that Xavier's put together. Yeah. And post-schism, you have the paramilitary idea group in Utopia, yeah. and you have the school idea in Westchester. Yeah. So Jason Aaron's gonna run with the idea of the school. And how does that affect how does that play into the the life of a mutant? Yeah. And that was and that was awesome. It was great. Yeah. But Avengers. <laughs> I'm actually in in a post totem Spider-Verse world. Oh boy. How would Jason Aaron tackle Spider-Man? Oh no. Yeah. I'm very he would, curious about that. He would have to take it to as big as it could possibly go. Right. And, and then on top of that, we've that's already just not done what's interesting to me about Spider-Man. Like it, it's not. It's yeah. not. And like we've already done the Mephisto Norman Osborn maybe he, thing. Maybe he wouldn't. Maybe he'd just be like, no, the what what Spider-Man is is about, you know, his melodrama and his sense of self and his idea of duty and perseverance. So let's push that as far right. as it can go. And and that's the thing, is like he like I never would have thought for a Doctor Strange book to challenge magic. <laughs> I would have I would have I would have thought that he'd go the more doctor route. Sure. He didn't. Yeah. So the, I have no idea what he would do with a solo book like a like a Spider-Man or yeah. even give him give him a Wolverine who who's been around I think for he centuries. did do Wolverine. He did Wolverine the X. Oh, oh, he did do Wolverine. Oh my god. Yeah, that was the rotten contagion run. Oh my goodness. He put Wolverine through the ringer. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's hilarious cuz that's what dude, in that in that run is when you got introduced to all of the bastard children. Right. Of Wolverine. And yeah. He didn't know who they were and he had to kill them all because Ken sent them all to god. him. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. That's right. <laughs> See, exact, but like <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it would be like if James Bond had to go and fight <laughs> all of his bastard children. Like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh man, give him Cyclops. Give him Cyclops. 
I want, oh, give him Cyclops. Mm. Okay. I would love to see the Cyclops that comes out of a Jason Aaron run. Interesting. Mm. Mm. Anyway, so <laughs> so Jason Aaron's <laughs> Avengers. <laughs> but yeah, so so why Phoenix Force? Because it's bigger than the Avengers. Right. And and that just it's I don't I I'm with you. Yeah. But I also I also I also feel like the size player that the Phoenix is in the universe. Yeah. To keep is, it just with the mutants feels greedy. That's true. It is it is right sized for the Avengers. Yeah. If if it was, I mean, up until Aaron. And there's no run, real reason for it to be with the mutants other than Claremont created it. Yeah. I mean, when it was and even then it was it was connected to like the Mcron crystal or whatever. Yes. And it wasn't even a mutant thing. It was right. just that the they Shi'ar was introduced to be there. in X-Men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, the Shi'ar was introduced... Do you know who the first Shi'ar to ever be introduced in the comics was? Mm-mm. Deathbird. Huh. And she wasn't... Oh, you know what? I might be totally wrong. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I'm completely wrong. Okay. The Shi'ar were first introduced during the Phoenix Saga. Oh, okay. Deathbird was introduced two years later, but she was introduced as a Ms. Marvel villain. Uh, oh, which, yeah, yeah, which yeah, yeah. Chris yeah, Claremont yeah, yeah. also happened to be writing at the time. Interesting. Yeah, so I get the territory desire. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it, big picture, I guess, if eventually, it's if it's going to keep on being used... Right. <laughs> then it's got to get new targets, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I don't agree with making Echo a Phoenix. It That like, does seem a little, whatever. I mean, it seems it's a little weird. scattershot. Yeah. Yeah. I like Echo. She's a cool character. Mm-hmm. Especially considering this multiversal uh, Masters of Evil has a dark Phoenix in, with a destiny mask. Hmm. Can you imagine Dark Phoenix that's a precog? Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) So to poke around in the book a little bit. Yeah. The multiversal masters of evil are this doom above all black skull, which is the null symbiote on red skull. Okay. Sure. Kid Thanos. Yeah. Dark Phoenix destiny with a Wolverine like hunter pet. Like Wild Child, for like an A.O. Oh, sure. Age of Apocalypse Wild Child, but with Logan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A Air Killmonger who took over Wakanda and then destroyed Asgard and is now using the Destroyer armor. Okay. So it's like a Vibranium Destroyer armor. And a Ghost Rider Green Goblin. I think it's called Just, Green Rider. Again, everybody stapled to somebody else. Nobody's exactly, uh, exactly. Nobody, nobody's a uh, you know a unique concept in a Jason Aaron book. The one fun thing about this Green Rider, yeah, his pumpkin bombs are all well. They're all green flaming skulls, but they're all the skulls of Ghost Riders he's killed from the multiverse. <laughs> okay, which was kind of fun. Okay, all right. <laughs> But anyway, so 
multiversal masters of evil are going around to the different universes, killing the legacy powers, primarily going to different million BCs and Mm -hmm. removing Avengers from the equation of the history of earth. Sure. The death locks are all being sent by Avenger prime who I don't think we actually see in Avengers forever. Okay. But Avenger prime is somebody outside of time who is leading the Deathlocks, trying to warn all of the Avengers of those earths. Most of them are not getting there in time. <laughs> okay. One death, the Deathlock for six, one, six, Got there in time is trying to make it and other there's something special about 616 and so other deathlocks that have survived their attacks are running away to 616 and so the avengers are like where are all these deathlocks coming from yeah. so like they're starting to get clued in to what's going on deathlock tells t'challa about the other members of the avengers that are on their records for 616 that they need to um recruit so he tells them he needs they need to go get namor and he reluctantly joins even though this is right after the whole protector of the deep thing and so cap is not a fan because he needs to answer for his crimes with that but as long as there is the masters of evil which is a bigger threat they're going to put that on the side and then there's also this history between t'challa and namor who both have invaded each other's countries multiple times or <laughs> of kingdoms course. multiple times. They you know, do not like each other. Of course. And then you have Jane Foster Valkyrie. Yeah. With Underyarn, the all weapon, <laughs> <laughs> which is just a liquid metal thing that can turn into whatever weapon she needs. Right. And she is the final back, the last Valkyrie. They end up fighting the Masters of Evil, not doing too well. I don't even remember how they like eventually win, if I'm honest. (laughs) Oh, T'Challa has been putting together a list of things that are powerful enough to to kill the Phoenix in case uh, Echo ever gets out of control. But then they look into it to fight this dark Phoenix. And among those are listed Owen Reese, the Molecule Man. Of course. Thanos of Titan. Yeah. Galactus. Sure. The the Living Tribunal, which was As if you dead. can just weaponize these cosmic constants, that always seems silly to me, but go on. Sure. And the Beyonders are, are what's listed. Yeah, yeah, which yeah, sure. The, they're true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, so Phoenix and Al oh, and Echo's like, we forgot one thing. A phoenix. And it's like, okay. Okay. So her phoenix goes and fights other phoenix. I should also point out that Cap and Captain Marvel are on Starbrand duty. Starbrand in the Heroes Reborn universe got aged up to a young child. Okay. Who was in the Heroes Reborn universe. She was hanging out with Rocket, who has a Groot gun. Because why not? So she's at that like... I just learned the word no age. Okay. (laughs) They're like, listen, two months ago, you were a baby. Now you're this young child. We got to figure out what's going on with you. Yeah. They looked into her mother. So her mother was a Shi'ar prisoner 
in their Shi'ar, in their prison galaxy, and that, and then she got created. So she <laughs> she got the star brand, and then defended herself, and then her dying breath was to give the star brand to the baby inside sure. her womb. Sure, anyway, sure thing. Sure, point is they found where she's from, and so they take her uh, cap. Cap and Cap take Starbrand to her her mother's home and like show her like where she's coming from because like they they're trying to introduce humanity to her and so she will like be calm. Okay. <laughs> and then they get attacked by Green Rider and Black Skull and Starbrand powers up and takes them and does her best. Oh, she she destroys the six pumpkin bombs that that got thrown out and in doing so she ages up again and so now she's like young adult star brand okay which now makes her a character that we can actually use and explore <laughs> right instead of being a baby or a toddler right so something about the star brand powers are just aging her up sure and then we get back to the assault on avengers mountain and it is actually getting destroyed. And so reminder that Avengers Mountain is a giant dead celestial. Right. From the final host, which was the first volume of Jason Aaron's run on Avengers. <laughs> and my goodness. So like the arm. <laughs> oh man. Oh geez. What's his face? Um, 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 Dr. Doom and and Valkyrie fight. Valkyrie loses, but buys Black Panther enough time to bust out this insane armor that is now referred to as the Red Panther. He starts okay. basically powers up and he's red now. And it says, thrice blessed vibranium damby boxing cords, stones from the Wakandan necropolis, armor of metallicized Orisha blood, anti-magic defense protocols complete. The Red Panther is now activated to fight this uh, doom above all dooms. Okay. While they're doing that, the Deathlock on 616 taps into the body of the Celestial. And then they find, while he does that, they find a shit ton of bombs that have been lying that got put in by, by Kid Thanos throughout the tower or the mountain okay, and the giant celestial body explodes. So I wonder <laughs> if AXE is going to deal with the fact that they desecrate, they like completely just destroyed a celestial yeah. body, but that's a thing. <laughs> uh, Thor and echo find, Oh, well dark Phoenix summons her dark Phoenix controlled Thor. Okay. So it implies that echo and, Thor needs to t- team up to fight this this team up, and so that's fine. And then whatever, like honestly, not a lot of great things are happening. <laughs> but, um, but <laughs> after the explosion of Avengers Mountain, Doom and Kid Thanos are outside looking at what that the destruction they've caused and feeling all good about themselves. And then Hellhound Mephisto shows up. Okay. And is like, um, excuse you, I told you to leave this reality for last. And he's like, yeah, but I thought. <laughs> okay. 
And then, do you remember that uh, how Orb has the Watcher's eye? Yeah, in his chest. Jason so, Aaron also wrote that crossover, Original Sin. Original Sin, which is a great idea. It just it was, it was, it was fine. Just odd. Yeah. <laughs> Making Orb a big deal is really weird, but whatever. <laughs> Orb was like, I need to see this. And so he he showed up at the North Pole and Doom was like, nah. And so he basically killed him. He just got him wrapped up in these weird vines. And he removes the Watcher's eye from Orb. And then he takes a bite out of it, like an apple. The fuck? Yeah. And he's like, I've learned everything I need to learn. And then... The fuck? And then Mephisto Hellhound eats the rest. My God. That's a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the Masters of Evil all retreat for whatever reason. But so they leave and the last scene is literally just this busted up Avengers Mountain with uh, like everyone just not doing well (laughs) yeah and so yeah avengers conceptually (laughs) the avengers team is really starting to fall apart yeah and then the last issue ends with t'challa hunting down kyle richmond who is dark hawk okay and is like bro i think we need you on the avengers will you like join He's like, ah, I don't know. He's like, I'll do it anyway. Like, ah, fine. So that was the thing. And then we get a cool like splash page of foreshadow. They come across Mephisto, Avengers and and Darkhawk. Stop. The Serpent Society oh, is boy. trying to summon Mephisto. Yeah. Because he is the serpent. Fine. And the Avengers go and break it up, but not before. Hellhound Mephisto can show up and then turn into regular Mephisto and be like, listen, from here to infinity's end, for my name is Mephisto and I am many. And you get this two-page splash collage of all the different Mephistos. So we are to assume that there are 616 Mephistos because that's what the Council of Red or whatever was talking about in the first place. Right, okay. And... It's really just red, pointy-eared versions of every of every like stereotype caricature you can think of. There's like Victorian Leonardo da Vinci one. There's a samurai one. There's a pirate one. There's one that looks like the Thing. There's a bodybuilder one. There's one that looks like Superman. There's one that looks like an Aztec god. There's one that there's a giant monkey. There's an Egyptian one. There's one that looks like Mr. Mixelpidolic from Superman. Oh, like, okay. Like, exactly like. Like, it's his exact costume, but with red skin. He's got sure. the same little hat and everything. There's a Howard the Duck Mephisto. There's a Pirate Mephisto. It's just, like, I imagine it might have been fun to draw this. Right, like, yeah. There's an Iron Fist Mephisto. Iron Fisto. <laughs> after after last episode i understand why you're you're wary of me with that word there's a cyclops mephisto there's a clown mephisto and there's one that looks like a move a a mal farouk okay yeah so yeah everyone's like 
listen, we probably need to do more. Because right now, so right now the vendors are Blade, Echo, Phoenix, Thor, Captain Marvel, Starbrand, Captain America, Valkyrie, Iron Man, Darkhawk, and Namor. Okay. They're, they are concerned that this is, that's not enough. And the only other thing that happened is we get this little flashback of three Mephistos that tried locking up Jane Foster in this like dream perfect world for herself. Okay. And she's realizing that it's fake, so on and so forth. She's, she's with Thor. And then it's this like little pocket dimension and a mighty Thor. So Jane Foster Thor from another dimension breaks in and saves her okay. from these three Mephistos. And so that ends up being a failed experiment for them uh, to try to take her off the grid. And Valkyrie, Jane, and Mighty Thor have a quick talk of just like, yeah, something is happening. There's this multiversal, multiversal Masters of Evil. There's Avenger Prime, and they sent me to come and like save you. They were trying to get you off the board and yada yada and she, and jane's like oh hey uh i've been we've been looking for robbie reyes uh do you know anything about that and it's like ah yes the all writer he's been going around other realities uh stopping the masses of evil so don't worry about him okay, okay. <laughs> uh, so then the, it ends with this debrief of of the team and Jane telling them about what happened. And Tony's like, oh, so you, you had to deal with Mephisto too, huh? I fought Mephisto back when I was like in the Stone Age and I, was, I made an Iron Man suit out of ice because I'm because I'm cool. Okay. Oof. And <laughs> it basically ends with Jane in that universe got a taste of holding Mjolnir again. And she is like visibly missing it, yeah. which I think is going to be a weird plot line for this. But it basically, so even though she is a Valkyrie, even though she's got the under yarn, she misses being Thor. Okay. And so it kind of becomes, I think this might have been what Mephisto's were also going for is making her question her position on the team or like what her contentness with her duty basically yeah because all the valkyries got killed in the war of the realms and so she was the first valkyrie or the final the the last valkyrie with danny moonstar being a side valkyrie but then she had the whole storyline where she went and got the tessa johnson right but anyway so it basically tying to the whole uh, Mephisto is all about the whole about temptation and did he actually do what he planned to do and show her the temptation of the hammer as and and yeah I don't yeah. know it was kind of a weird story like I get it but <laughs> I, I would see I, I I guess if I were to psychoanalyze this whole Jane story Jane plot yeah it's like she was her body was riddled with cancer. Right. And the only thing that made her feel better, even though all the chemo she was going through, the only thing that made her feel better was when she was Thor, when she was holding the hammer. Right. And so I think there's this like mental 
crutch like sure dependence yep. on being Thor and yeah. being better, quote unquote better. Sure. So if that is the plot line that they're gonna go with, I'm here for it. Okay. Because I think it's I think it's an interesting statement or like a, a an interesting character dive. Yeah. Of like not wanting the hammer to be a hero, but like being addicted to the hammer. Right. And just like, and this is like, it's, it's a tool in a way that's like, (laughs) this is keeping me alive, bro. Right. Yeah. So I'm conceptually interested if that's where they're going and it is Jason Aaron. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Cause the character redefinitions, the character redefining moments are where Jason Aaron shines. So let's let's see if that's where he goes with it. Sure. But yeah, as as you've mentioned, we're this is all leading up to AXE, which is Avengers, X-Men, and Eternals. Yeah. We've gotten the Eternals think that the uh, X-Men with the whole Mars thing are acting deviantly. <laughs> and so that's going to be their whole thing, which I'm super, super interested. I'm, oh man, I'm actually <laughs> really excited about AXE. Yeah. The hardcover doesn't come out until February. So, okay. But like, I, I talk about comics online so much that I get current comic book things pushed onto my feeds on different social medias and stuff. Right. And so AXE is going on right now. Sure. And I haven't seen any major spoilery stuff, but like people are freaking out about some of the shit that's going on in AXE right now. I'm stoked. Nice. Yeah. So that's 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 that. Yeah, Jason Aaron team books. Just going for it. He just goes mm-hmm. all the way after it. Like I still I still really like what he does for a character. Sure. Yeah. I'm just I'm just really curious if giving him a team is the best. Right. But I don't think you could give him any other team. Of like, course, yeah. You're gonna give them like, like new warriors. <laughs> cool. Have fun with that. Yeah. I it's yeah. He's, he's gonna really tear apart the concept of the new warriors, <laughs> really push the concept to its limit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess maybe like they question it all the time, but like I guess maybe giving him something cosmic would be real rough. Yeah. Cause the cosmic scale, like a Guardians or a Nova. The, the scale that they operate on. Right. And for Jason Aaron to be like, how do I go bigger than this? <laughs> right. <laughs> Would be so interesting to see. <laughs> oh, man. So, okay. So, give. So, my top three picks for a Jason Aaron run Guardians of the Galaxy, Nova, okay. and Cyclops. Yeah. Okay. I can see it. You know that he would just be like, okay, let's have Rocket and Groot as one character. Okay, let's have Drax and Gamora as one, No, Drax and Thanos, one character. The opposites together. Well, I mean, there... Well, so he already has... Oh, my God. Moon Dragon. He, he'd, be give, he'd be inheriting yeah. a double Moon Dragon. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and... 
Quasar's Avril Kincaid and Wendell Vaughn already. Sure. <laughs> then it's they've primed the pump for him. Let's let's <laughs> let's go. And that's all within this universe. Wait until he does Guardians versus Guardians. <laughs> oh yeah. Versus Guardians versus Guardians versus Guardians. He's got he's oh, got man. Guardian he's got Guardians 2000 versus Guardians 3000 versus Guardians 1000 versus Guardians 40,000. See, Guardians Guardians versus Guardians 3000 already happened. Well, yeah, that's why he has to introduce <laughs> all the other ones. Yeah, we got to do Guardians 30,000. Exactly. Ah. Uh, or 300,000. Uh, right. 30,000 is not far enough out <laughs> of current. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. Anyway. That's that. I wouldn't mind a story about how King Jason met Quill's mom. That would be cool. Yeah. I don't know if it's been done before. I don't think it has. Mm. Interesting. No. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Super random thought. (laughs) It's all good. Um, X-Men and Uncanny Shattering. I'll start with Uncanny. So these were both, right? If you remember the Shattering, Professor X was like training, 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 working everybody really hard. They're all like, hey, we're not, we're not new we're not machines. Young. Yeah, we're not we're not children anymore. Like we're all pretty accomplished. We've been doing this X Men thing for a while, and honestly, like you <laughs> don't spend a whole lot. Of, you know, you've been away for a while. You know, it's really remarkable how much of X Men history Xavier isn't there for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I want to say. So after the not long after, I don't know. There was some situation that this i think the second time the x-men had a run-in with the brood he had to go off world to get saved and then just kind of like hung out with lalandra in space that was like Mm. 85 86 something like that and he stayed in space until 92 and then he was back from 92 to 96 and then onslaught he goes into protective custody comes back in 99 so he's just like you know he's he's a bit of an absentee mhm absentee father yeah after all this but you know what that's fine he's like i uh, you are all are failing we just let you know magneto just got a country i'm gonna work you all really hard and really it's because he has concerns about there being a traitor within the team he doesn't know who to trust so he says you know the team's been disbanded blah 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 and so gambit goes off does his thing you know explored within the gambit series and storm stays at the mansion wolverine joins the you know the new team that uh the astonishing x-men team that uh uh, Cyclops and Jean put together dies like a chump, as we've already explored. <laughs> and then the rest of the team basically goes uh, splits off splits off to go on two separate road trips. So these issues of Uncanny follow Marrow and Pete on their road trip to Boston. And it's nice we get a few like quiet character moments of like you know. Cyclops, or sorry, uh, Colossus, Piotr, he's, you know, like painting a lot and, and like, oh, I can, you know, get out of the city and I can see nature and less light pollution and all that. Paint a sunrise, very nice. They're on their way to Boston to this 
gallery where Piotr has a portrait of Ileana, where it just so happens that uh, Mikhail, Peter's brother, he's like a ghostly presence haunting this gallery. He's been presumed dead a million times. Last he was seen, he was in the uh, uh, on an alternate dimension called the Hill, which is where he took the Morlocks, some of the you know the surviving mm. Morlocks after mutant massacre. Although this was you know the storyline was years after mutant massacre, but basically took them to this alternate dimension where they literally climbed a hill and fought every single day of their lives in a way to like toughen them up, hone their powers, turn them into killing machines. That is Marrow's origin. She was one of them. They came back to 616 all grown up because time displacement as the Gene Nation terrorist group, blah, blah, blah. Marrow bomb in her chest. Storm pulled it out. She's got two hearts. And then much later, she's rehabilitated and joins the X-Men. And so both of these characters have history with Mikhail. So, yeah, they go, uh, Marrow, like, they're going to this gallery and Marrow retracts her bones so that she can go out in public because she's started Mm. to, like, you know, pursue this aspect of her powers. She flirts with an artist at the gallery because she's pretty now and she loses control of her bones and he freaks out and he's like, you're a mutant. There's a big old public freak out and, you know, security guards involved And in the middle of it, Mikhail creates a portal that sucks them away to his weirdo dimension, the hill. Uh, And Callisto's there for some reason that I... It's unclear if that's really Callisto. Anyway, he gets uh, Piotr alone for a while and he's like, I've got this plan to turn Ileana to life, return Ileana to life. Recaps his whole character history to Colossus and Colossus is like, I I know, dude. (laughs) I'm your brother. Stop this. But basically, long story short, he thinks he's a god now. His powers have evolved further so that he can shape. So he absorbs energy and uses it to reshape matter. Those are his powers. Okay. And he mostly uses it to like open portals, do teleportation portals, stuff like that. But he can also just do, you know, more simple matter reshaping. He he says he he can now do it to like create. Anim- like turn objects animate. He can make life more or less, but he can't like, he can't create, I mean, soul, obviously he can't uh-huh. like recreate a person, but he's like, look, I recreated a perfect copy of Ileana's body. You were able to capture her soul in this beautiful painting. Let's work together and return Ileana to life for real. And Colossus is like, that's not how this works. <laughs> I can't do that. And immediately, Mikhail's like, okay, so I'll kill you. Mikhail is such a non-character. He's just like, the only character beat is he's crazy. And that's just like the only thing that anyone... I mean, he was created in the real like Nadir, creative Nadir of like post-Claremont, Jim Lee, like... You know, so he like looks cool and he has cool powers and not a single thought into his characterization. Mm. And so Marrow's also been in like recap mode this entire plot, just like walking around the hill and remembering her upbringing there. 
and she snaps out of it just in time to break up the fight. And then it gets really weird. They're like, oh, there's this weird green psychic energy being that is merged with Mikhail since the first time his powers saved him in the co- when he was a Russian cosmonaut. And that's responsible for his madness. So they kind of like maybe gets out of him or something and they all teleport back to 616. This could have been a cool plot, but it just it was just really poorly executed. It all felt so forced. And it's basically only happening because he is going to be one of the 12. Oh. <laughs> Why? Your guess is as good as mine. Because they, they really set their, their number a little too high with the 12, and they're really <laughs> reaching. They're really reaching for a lot of these. Mm. Okay. There's a, a B-plot going on for this whole thing where Deathbird returns to Earth, to the cult, the living pharaoh slash living monolith. I don't know how familiar you are with living monolith. Only referentially. He basically like absorbs the same cosmic energy that uh, Havoc does, but he uses that energy to like grow and get real big. Oh, okay. Hence the monolith. Right, yeah. We find out this was, if you remember a few issues ago, right before Bishop got brought back to Earth, she and Deathbird, or or he and Deathbird were out in space. They were investigating this planet that seemed like it was, like, alive. They found something inside, like, a, a pyramid, and... Deathbird shot Bishop in the back and was like, I got a better offer. So we come to understand that the living monolith was what they found on that. Uh-huh. Like he, he was like, he was, he got so much energy that he turned into a living planet or something, blah, blah, blah. But they just brought, you know, a, a, a monolith sized guy back. So whatever. She brings him back to the cult. And, you know, she's, we find out that, I mean, it's all off panel, but yeah, it's Apocalypse who she got the better offer from. And Apocalypse promised her a return to the Shi'ar throne. And instead he shoots the fuck out of her and implies that she's going to become a horseman. Okay. X-Men. Okay. That was, that's a cliffhanger on that one. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of. This was really hard to parse. There are these like techno ninjas who are affiliated with this group called the Yakiba, uh-huh. which is not the Yakuza. Apparently, it is an arm of the Japanese government or something. But like in the way that, you know, every government in comics has like the evil part of the government. You know, this is just yeah. like this is the evil government. Uh, but they're affiliated, affiliated with Sunfire anyway, and they are chasing down Mystique. Mesmero and Mastermind are also chasing down Mystique. Now, Mastermind, allegedly, is dead of the legacy virus right now. So, we'll see what's going on. I mean, we saw him die on panel. So, we'll see what's going on with all this. (laughs) Okay. And Mesmero and Mastermind uh, are, say, they're working for some sort of master. So, Rogue, Kitty, and Kurt, you know, while... Marrow and Colossus go off to Boston. Rogue Kitty and Nightcrawler 
go down to New York City. And Kurt goes to church. The girls go clubbing. (laughs) You know, character stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Gambit goes and gambles. Well, Gambit doesn't go to a bar. <laughs> right. yeah, exactly. Uh, Colossus goes painting. Goes <laughs> takes an art class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Everybody to type. And so Mystique shows up at the club and asks for help, takes Rogue and Kitty back to a penthouse apartment, which is owned by a billionaire recluse, which is one of her assumed identities named B. Byron Biggs. <laughs> okay. She also reveals that she, another one of her assumed identities is a supermodel that she's been doing for fun lately and has been like, you know, on like the cover of Vogue for three straight months. Oh my God. Biggest model, model of the century. Oh. And she was attacked on a photo shoot because, you know, somebody used a gene scanner, found out that she was mystique. We get a few like cool, teases of mystique's backstory that don't really i'm sure we'll never get followed up on but i thought they were fun she says something to the effect of like the first time kitty and i met we were allies but she didn't know it because uh-huh. <laughs> because they're like you know she's like she's tried to kill me so many times first time i ever met her she was trying to kill me and mystique's like actually <laughs> wow yeah that's so, cool right and maybe she's lying and it's just like you wouldn't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> she also says uh, about destiny the first time that she met destiny irene was a damsel in distress and mystique was playing the consulting detective now irene destiny's Real name is Irene Adler. Irene Adler, right. Which is the name of the character from Sherlock Holmes, who was a consulting detective. She is implying that she was literally Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. That's kind of cool. That's really cool. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, She also said, and then she says, afterwards, we became ellipses partners. (laughs) (laughs) All right. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> oh, it's, I guess we still have to do subtext now, but <laughs> the subtext is getting heavier and heavier. But yes, I love it. <laughs> and, uh, she's angry that Destiny didn't warn Rogue's like, it's so crazy that like she could see everything, but she didn't see her own death. And Mystique's like, of course she saw her own death. And I'm so, I was so angry with her for not, telling me it was coming or letting me do anything to stop it. Like we had this life together and it was cut short and it's kind of her fault. <laughs> uh-huh. And so rogue goes off to investigate sort of like the, um, the supermodel assumed identities apartment, which has been ransacked, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, Kitty back at the penthouse loft is snooping around the apartment while Mystique is asleep and finds a note from Destiny on the back of a painting saying, basically, Shadow Cat from the X-Men, phase here. Mm. And so, like, on the back of a painting frame. And so she phases in and pulls out Destiny's diary. Wow. And so this is the first appearance of, of Destiny's diary, which becomes a major plot point later. Yeah, so we get 
she opens to like a random page and just sees every single clue for the plot of the 12. <laughs> One page just says 12 year 2000, a bunch of A's go figure the, the number 12 circled alien skull skull. And the next page says the devil deadline is millennium's end written out the word 12 and then the number 12 circled again another a trust not the treacherous claw from beyond and within an onk two triangles like pyramids and then another a <laughs> being really you know these are supposed to be cryptic clues but come on <laughs> armageddon looms large when xavier is betrayed death kills the one who is become death the 12 will gather in the darkest hour, then two more triangles, and then another 12. <laughs> Kitty's like, I wow. don't know what any of this could mean. I wonder if, I wonder if the uh, 12 will be involved. Who even knows? What, <laughs> what, what does this number even mean? What's going Man, on? The retelling of this story in the 2020s would be so wild. <laughs> Yeah, what would that even, right? Like, because they're doing <laughs> like, so much with mutant synergy in, in like sword and mutant technology. And that's basically what the 12 is, right? Like, mm -hmm. let's, let's hook up 12 mutants to a circuit and make a big thing happen. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that would be so much cooler now. I know, right? But hey, with that, to get sword, you're going to need some 12s. I, to I guess to inspire we, the idea <laughs> we we had to dig through all this muck so we could get to the so we could bring the genre forward and mm -hmm. uh and find something good so yeah meanwhile rogue is investigating the supermodel identity of mystique's house she fights a bunch of ninjas and then sunfire shows up and they fight and then do the marvel thing and talk it out she convinces Shiro that Mystique was framed in like 0.3 seconds. She's like, <laughs> she was framed. Like, like, Shiro's like, you know, the Yakuba never makes mistakes. You know, they are the infallible arm of the, the Japanese government. You know, the, she definitely committed these murders, you know, that must have been done by a shapeshifter. And Rogue was like, no, look at the cover of this magazine that I literally have right here. She was shooting. She was on a model shoot that time somewhere else. She was like, oh, shit, you're right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, boy. And uh, apparently, yeah, the infallible Yakuba just did zero research. Just They're like, it, oh, <laughs> A shapeshifter murdered some people. Okay, Mystique, obviously. Mystique. Let's go kill her. They so they go and they they find they they track you know the assault on the apartment that uh, the ransacking the apartment that happened back to this Mesmero and Mastermind who turn out to be scrolls, of course. So yeah, that whole plot is basically done. Kurt at church runs into Polaris. She is paranoid. She's on the run, but she doesn't know what from exactly. Kurt's like, hey, I'm sorry about Alex. By the way, what the fuck happened there? 
And she's like, oh, well, you know, he was on this, this like spaceship and it exploded all the way down to the atoms. There was absolutely nothing left. But I know in my heart he's still alive. Oh. And and she's also like, if Alex were dead, then the living monolith would be back because their powers are connected. <laughs> it's like, yeah, about that. Go read the other title. <laughs> what a weird connection. Yeah. So, you know, not a huge shocker. Polaris and I'm pretty sure Sunfire, also members of the 12. Yes. Yeah. So we're just all all the ones that aren't in current circulation. We're just gathering them right up. We're just like, <laughs> hey, remember this one? Remember this one? Remember this one? Good, because we're using them right now. <laughs> Man, ah, oh. it's there's no like seeding. I mean, for for as much as this plot, they they've clearly have known that they've been doing this. Whatever they didn't. This plot was technically brewing all the way back from the early 90s when a sentinel said, like, so-and-so believed to be a member of the 12. And they had this outrageous retcon for why a sentinel might have data about an apocalypse plot, uh, which is neither here nor there. We can just say that that is completely unrelated and say that they didn't really start planning the 12 until, like, you know, 99 98, 99, but like they've been, they've known that they've been doing a 12 plot for, I mean, Cable's been talking about it for a year, right? It's just like every issue is like, okay, it's time to get serious about the 12. Uh, let me go break up with my girlfriend again. Oh, it didn't take. All right. Time to get serious about the 12 again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man. And so they know they've known that this is coming and they're just like, it's, it's like they, they, they just like procrastinated their homework until the morning of they're like, Oh shit, the 12 is coming. Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. (laughs) Let's bring all these characters in. Yeah, man. So the 12 is like the oldest collection of issues that I have. Yeah. Yeah. I only remember one panel from it. Well, we'll be going through it soon enough. I think this is the part of the, at the end of the the pod where we say what we're reading next week. But I am probably like one, two, three, three normal, three or four normal pods away from uh, from the twelve now. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on your point of view. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess just that. Man, I remember. <laughs> I remember reading it and being like, huh. (laughs) (laughs) It has a name that implies weight and like big deal. Right. And like it never, it never entirely felt like big stakes. So I will say, I remember there's a sort of like follow up crossover to the 12 called ages of apocalypse that I remember Mm. actually being pretty cool. Mm. It happens immediately after the 12, but we shall see. Indeed. Cool. So next week. Yes. uh, What do you have next week? I have uh, some good old X-Man and I've got some cable and some Deadpool. And then if we're doing and Sandman. Yeah. Four issues of Sandman. 
Fun. And, and then if I get there, uh, a mini series called uh, X Men: Children of the Atom, which is different from <laughs> Children of the Atom that, from Krakoa. Mm-hmm. I have. I don't know <laughs> when this is going to be said. I'm not too excited about it, but this thing drops called Black Panther Legends. It's written by Tochi Onyabuchi. Okay. It's four issues and it is, it's a smaller sized book. And so I don't know if this is going to be 616 or just random book written for children that want to get Black Panther. I don't know. We'll see. But then I have two books that I'm kind of excited about. Zeb Wells's first volume on the new Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man. Excellent. Cool. He took over after Spencer's run and then beyond. And then yeah, yeah. To this. Cool. So we finally get a new, a brand new run on Spider-Man. Yeah. So we're going to get Peter Parker post that radiation poisoning thing. <laughs> right. That took him out. I do know in this run, I guess Pete and MJ break up again. <laughs> sure. Because they're just not allowed to be together. No, of course not. So obnoxious. <laughs> so obnoxious. Because, <laughs> like, whatever, it doesn't matter. And then <laughs> I've got Rainbow Rowell's uh, She-Hulk. Oh, cool. Called first volume, Jen Again. <laughs> okay. It's five issues, and I hope it's I hope it's good. Nice. I think that the whole return of Jack of Hearts is going to be in this. Oh, okay. Because he's, he has, when we saw in uh, Reckoning War, Jack of Hearts is back, which is weird, but then also he's been hanging out with Jen. And so since she has a solo title, I'm going to assume he's going to come back in that. Right. Okay. So we'll fi- find out what happened there. Sweet. But yeah. So that'll be fun. And then uh, Four Issues of Sandman. Yes. Oh, so stoked. Hell yeah. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Anything else you want to throw out there to the masses? Baseball is evil. It is, it is evidence of, of a, a cruel and imperfect world. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it's, it's baseball. <laughs> I guess it's America's pastime. Yes. It tells you a lot about, you know. Tells you a lot about baseball, right? If it's America's pastime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hey, Morbius is a movie. <laughs> yeah, sure is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's put the outro music here. Okay. And uh, I will be in touch. I guess I'm going to talk to you tomorrow. I guess so. Super girl. Yeah, that's going to be fun. I did. All right, later. I can't do it.